Armen. Wollen wir sagen, deutsches Volk hilft dir selbst. Jeder soll helfen, ob arm oder reich. Jeder soll sich denken, es gibt noch einen, der ärmer ist als ich. Und dem will ich helfen als Volksgenosse. Mike's Razor, Episode 5. I'm your host, Jim Birchall. Occam's Razor is a podcast about the paranormal and the unexplained. Tonight, we delve the depths of Nazi occultism and Nazi science in general. And to help me out is Matthew Barry, an aficionado on World War II. I started by explaining to Matt what piqued my interest in Nazism and the macabre goings on. Interest uh, in all this has been piqued uh, by my recent trip to uh, Normandy in France, where I uh, went to Omaha Beach and saw all the sights and sounds of that, uh, the U.S. Servicemen's Cemetery and the like. Um, it got me interested in, in the Nazis again. It's a horrible thing to say, as we said earlier, <laughs> Matt. You can't really be a fan of the Nazis, can you? But it, but um, you can't help be but but be fascinated by their insanity. Their insanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, it's it's the it's the greatest conflict the world has ever seen um, so, yeah. and, and hopefully we'll ever see again wow yeah let's touch wood yeah, we um, yeah. but you know and and really in terms of against the Germans in particular against the Nazis in particular it was it was good versus evil it was very clear cut you know um, it did have a biblical element to it didn't it in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. Um, not just because of, of the whole good versus evil but you know because of the whole well, people, people's claims that Hitler was demonically possessed or used magic to get where he got, but, you know, that whole... That, yeah. was, that was my first question, actually. In your opinion, do you think Hitler subscribed to the, the fantasia, if you will, that, that, that Goering did? No, not at all. No? No, okay. I... I I, I, Do you I think, think he just th thought he was a bit of a kook who, who was good at his job and went along with well, things? Well, I wonder or? why he thought he was good at his job, quite frankly, okay. after 1940. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the, the, the fact is that um, at the top of the hierarchy of, of Nazism, you've got, obviously, Hitler. Um, but right near that, you've got Goering and Himmler. Um, Goering, as you said, had these fantastical ideas of a glorious German landscape and a and and yeah weird things like that and Himmler of course was quite into the whole idea of the occult um, I where did, where did Himmler's interest in the occult spurn from do you think do you think he was oh, insane as well or yeah probably I mean the guy sold chicken shit before he started <laughs> um, I mean, yeah I mean, he, he was he was clearly enamored with the whole I'm greater than I can be, you know, like that that whole thing of of Sarah the teenage witch. I don't mean Sabrina. I mean you know Sarah or Karen or whoever who lives out in Henderson and she buys sage at the fucking bulk the kind of person who says they're a white a Wiccan or and a I'm, white yeah, witch. I'm a white witch. Sure, yeah, I'm yeah. Wiccan. Ooh, you know. But I mean, a lot of that is to do with something missing in their lives. Um, yeah. You know, not to say that for the people who practice real magic and I have real magic, real esoteric stuff, and I have looked into it. Um, are all insane but by and large the people who are attracted to magic are people who are missing something in their lives and Himmler sold chicken shit okay, so, so he was missing, missing, a missing something in his life <laughs> yeah. you know um, yeah uh, and I mean they all got caught up in that whole um, in, that, in that whole race hating thing and also at the time I mean with the rise of theosophy and the rise of things like the fuel society and seances and things the occult was really popular from 
1850 to right up until the end of the war. That was that big whole spiritualism movement, particularly in, in Europe at the time, wasn't it? Turn of the century, there was a lot. And that, as you said, that period was covered by sort of, well, it was a period where you'd see a lot of things like spirit photography and ectoplasm and That's right. and pictures of the Virgin Mary, um, you know, weeping manifesting <laughs> or weeping blood or something weeping like that. Weeping on our toast. Yeah, so, I mean... Because ignorance was total in that respect in those days, wasn't it? Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, there's there's something to be said for some of the, the kind of writings that are esoteric in nature. Sure. And... You know, I mean, at the time, they just became more widely available. Um, I mean, I've got a couple of very, very interesting books that were printed in the 1910s, 1920s um, that uh, would be considered esoteric by nature. And, yeah, they're fascinating. They talk about really interesting things. So I can see why you'd get caught up in it. Um, but, you know, I mean, and uh, there's also there's also the glory of it, uh, you know, that whole appealing to... The, the history and this feeds again into Goering um, you know, back when the, when the Germans were a powerful and mighty race and we were pagans and we had our own religion we didn't have this, this disgusting Jew that everyone follows in Christianity you know which brings you back to Hitler of course who sure. I believe probably thought he was a Christian but certainly didn't believe in a Jewish Jesus no. he believed in a progressive German Jesus you know, <laughs> I don't know what he'd quite look it just like. It seems laughable today, doesn't it? David? It does. Yeah, I mean, a lot yeah. of things they did seem laughable today. Um, yeah. Obviously, the Germans used, well, were looking to use the occult or immerse themselves in the occult as a means to, you know, as an application. Looking at it as an application for warfare, things like remote viewing was tried out by certain people under you know controlled programs and stuff like that um you know we'd start talking into the realms of time travel and visibility and um, you know validity of all that it's always been called into question do you think they were actually these experiments were taking place or do you think they're just part of folklore um to a certain extent i think they were i mean we we know in the cold war that the russians experimented with um swim after uh, telepathy and you know psychic powers and stuff sure. didn't get anywhere um, did they experiment with it quite likely um, I imagine they tried um, the you have to take it with, to a certain degree with a grain of salt but they did they experiment with remote viewing well since spiritualism was quite popular at the time they probably did probably did, did. they try to use and that's not actually too far outside the the paradigms of of reality of reality yeah. is it um, yeah. you know, I mean it's they, kind of an ESP um, situation that's right and people yeah. people believe in that and you know whether there's credence in it or not um, but then did they try to create an army of invisible zombies that seems a little more unlikely I, I think <laughs> I think a lot of people's perception of what they did is, has been romanticised a lot particularly the advent of the video game uh, Wolfenstein well, that's true, yeah. I mean, well, of course, although the Wolfensteins have... Uh, Wolfenstein, I believe every Wolfenstein, certainly all the ones I've played, um, at some point or another you'll encounter walking dogs. Okay. Um, Are they werewolves? No, no, no. Because they were looking at werewolves at some point. Well, they? I believe they're actually inspired by the rumour that the Germans tried to get a dog to walk and talk. Really? And, um, Tell us more about that. Well, uh, we... We heard a little bit about it. There was an article I was reading recently, and the claim is that they even got the dog to respond to who was Adolf Hitler, and the dog would bark, Mein Führer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, I take it with a bit of a grain of salt, but these stories have been around for a while. And there's one famous author whose name totally slips my mind, and he's, his 
book was called The Spear of Destiny, which I'm sure you're aware of. Um, oh, well, that was the quest for, for the spear that was plowed into the side of Logic Jesus. And Al- Albert Spear had a, for lack of a better term, hard on for finding it, didn't he? Well, they kind of all did. Um, yeah. But the, this, this particular book wasn't just about that spear, but was about the general occult thing of the Nazis. And in a lot of ways, he... he he proposed most of it, um, but there was this comment about the um, about the dogs. But getting back to the spear, um, at the time that the Nazis invaded the Lowlands, there were four spears of destiny: uh, one in Vienna, one in Rome, I believe, one in Paris, and I can't remember where the fourth one was. Um, or was so, that you know, was that the one that was missing? Well, no, I mean, it's the same argument as... Because he could have just taken the other three, couldn't he? Well, that's right. Well, the, yeah. well, the, the, the argument is uh, is the same as the... What do they say? They say that there have been enough pieces of the cross that Christ was crucified on to build the ark that <laughs> Noah built. <laughs> you know, so which of these spears was real, if any of them? Um, yeah. But certainly... What, what powers was it supposed to give an individual? I don't know, but imagine being the Nazis and being able to say, look, we've got the spear that killed Jesus, that horrid little Jew. Exactly. So I don't believe that, by the way, just in case anyone... Um, that would end up on the on the mantle at uh, Vavelsburg Castle, wouldn't that, it? That's right, that's yeah. right. I mean, the, I believe it's the, the argument, I don't know how close Hellboy is to the actual reality of what people think of as the spear, but I believe the argument goes that any army that holds the spear of destiny cannot possibly lose I was actually going to say that um, earlier but then I thought surely they couldn't have been that stupid well I mean why not if they could find the actual spear that killed the actual Jesus and if Jesus really actually lived and was the son of God and but was also God God it's all very convoluted isn't it, it is. um, then why wouldn't that spear have amazing powers you know uh, so I, I can so, but yeah. it's kind of a it's a, a th- a theory and sort of um, comparison really isn't it you know like uh, giving credence to an object that can change sort of the course of history or have some sort of supernatural power or that's right I mean yeah. but also there's the power of psychological combat I mean you know so often these days we use placebos to kill yep. people why wouldn't you say if, if Hitler could walk into Nuremberg holding the spear that speared Jesus surely all of his soldiers will go good gosh we're invincible now <laughs> God and Himmel, we're invincible now. How much credence do you give to, to black magic overall, you know, no. as a whole? None? Almost none. Okay. Um, I believe that most magic actually is an early attempt, most magic is actually an early attempt at psychology. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I could do it, I, we could do well, it. Well, people used to people used to believe phrenology, didn't they? So. Well, that's right, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, I, could do, I could do a whole... I mean, yeah, we could we could, go, we could go all the way into what psychology does and what the transmutation of metal is actually the transmutation of your mental state. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I think Himmler. Short answer, no. Short answer, not in the way that um, most people think of it. Um, yeah. You know, short answer, Himmler believed that he could create a bunch of magic powered soldiers. Who would Nazi Superman. Nazi Superman who would rush across the German things, killing allies by the droves and becoming glorious Aryan warriors for a thousand years. I tell you what that they seems would unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what they would have need to ride is um, you now one of those what were they were they Aurochs? Aurochs. Aurochs. That's Aurochs. what they called. Yes. Oh, yes. I Nazi just wanted to right. touch on that because it's one of my favourite stories from Nazi lore, if, the, if that is such a thing. Um, 
Now they a selective breeding program. Eugenics. Eugenics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were looking to bring back uh, basically extinct creatures from sort of German Germanic mythology. Well, they're actually they were they, they were, were real. They, they were, were real they, animals. They were there okay. until the sixteen seventies, I believe. They were, and I think they were hunted to extinction. I'm not sure exactly what yeah. happened to them. Um, By the Germans, ironically, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> And they thought that wasn't a good idea. Let's, Damn, let's, we let's bring them back. back. Yeah, well, I mean, that, it's that whole mythology and, and everything about it. The Thousand Year Reich, harking back to the old Reichs of before, back when before the Weimar Republic fucked everyone up. Mm-hmm. You know, the we, back when Germans were glorious, you know, back when they were these amazing Norse warriors, you know, or Germanic warriors, you know. Um, and yeah once we're these amazing Germanic warriors powered by magic we'd love to run gloriously through our German fields with huge Auroch following us and, you know I mean what, who wouldn't of, frankly what kind of animal do you think would be the most effective in battle for them you mean real one or pretend one uh, let's just throw it down the middle because you know the Okay. There's the, two sides of reality well, calling I mean, here, isn't it? A talking dog that could shoot would be quite effective. That would be awesome. Uh, dogs have a very quick, re, um, you know, replenishment rate. Yeah. <laughs> and they can uh, run long distances. They don't get tired that quickly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, probably uh, um, an auroch, riding an auroch into battle. Would they be big enough, the auroch? Because I understood they were quite a big sort of... They're a, huge. An yeah, ox-like my, animal. Well, they? my understanding is that auroch were about eight foot tall at the shoulder oh that big so they're, they're, okay. they're a big and of course you know they're, they're a bit wider so a bit, a bit like when He-Man rides that giant cat oh cat yeah sort of oh yeah Oh, now you've made it just sound really glorious it does that's <laughs> the power <laughs> maybe He-Man with his sword with the power and his uh, shoulder length blonde hair big muscles was based Upon a Nazi Superman riding a... Well, actually, there's a really interesting story. If we is there some sort of parallel there, is it? We can that, digress. Uh, the story goes that um, in 1982, there was a movie coming out that Mattel heard about and made a whole lot of figures for. Mm-hmm. Because they thought, yeah, this will be great buying. You know, Star Wars did really well a few years ago. You mean a He-Man film? Uh, no. Okay. Conan the Barbarian. Interesting. And when it came out, Mattel were like, oh... Oh, there's quite a lot more sex and violence in this than we think should be marketed at children. <laughs> and so, quick repaint so later. So, Mattel shut it down. Well, good quick repaint later, out comes He Man. Oh, really? You know, and that's the story. Mattel denied I didn't know that, and I'm a uh, bit of a, 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 a toy nerd and a fishing <laughs> Well, Mattel completely deny it. Um, really? You know, they say, no, no, we came up with this idea of He Man, blah, blah, blah. But, but it sounds like a decent rumour, doesn't it? Doesn't Actually, it? It sounds yeah. like something that would be true. And, there's, and there was never any kind of real merchandising for Conan at the time. To be yep. fair, I've got an actual full carbon forged sword of Conan's. Um, so there's merchandising now. But it doesn't have superpowers. Well, I um, haven't used it. Can it make your army this. undefeated? No, no, no. Right. I don't have an army, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I, once I raise an army, I'll see if I can make it undefeated with my sword. However, um, yeah, I, so, so you know, there wasn't any merchandising for Conan, so perhaps it feeds into that. But, um, yeah, back to just What animal would have the best application in battle? Uh, the, the, let's, we're going to have a vote on this. Elephants. We? Elephant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, Hannibal used elephants. Yeah. Um, horses. Yeah. Although the Germans already used hundreds of horses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, I'm going with a talking dog. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I'm still I'm, I'm off for the talking dogs. But if you had enough aurochs that you could ride into, battle, you know what I'm thinking in my head when I picture that dog. I'm thinking George Clinton's song "Atomic Dog." Okay. And the mu- the accompanying music video. That that's what I'm thinking in my head. That's yeah, that, that's an interesting picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder how the dogs would use rifles. They don't have thumbs or fingers. Well, you could have opposable fingers, but maybe they could have a rifle adapted to the dog. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now we're getting into kind of gamma world territory, aren't we? But you know, yeah. if you're bringing back um, extinct animals and and traveling through time to find a mystical sword, then. You might as well bring. You might as well go the whole hog, dogs. Man. That's you know what I mean? right. Yeah. What do you think went on at Vavil's Shed Castle? Well, I mean that was Himmler's um, little home, wasn't it? He wanted yep. to start a whole new Reich of, of SS soldiers. I think it could have been a bunch of creepy stuff, sort of um, sexually and stuff like that. Do you think? I, I wouldn't rule that I out. Kind of, I, I wouldn't rule it out at all. Yeah, it's. See, you know, a bunch of guys hanging out together, no woman around. <laughs> no woman around. You know what I mean? Now you're owing me the cross of iron. I mean, you know, Himmler was, was, was into the occult. Himmler did want a whole new Reich of, of German super soldiers. Um, yeah. No, what? I think it was just they were just doing silly rituals sort of in the basement and. You know, sort of sacrificing goats and and uh, all sorts of carrying on like that. Well, I mean, you know, bit of hellfire club kind of craziness. All the thielness, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, the, I mean, there is of course the whole thing that uh, it's the Wehrmacht that had the draft, not the SS. Mm-hmm. So all of the fit, able-bodied people would mm-hmm. go to the Wehrmacht. Yeah. And the SS would take the rest. Yeah, the nut jobs. The nut jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, the, the ones that that um, failed the psychometric test. That's right. You know, yeah. Can you imagine failing getting into the German army? Although that's a bit unfair. The German army is quite a lot more noble than we give it credit for. Sure. Um, but Just not during that period, perhaps. No, during that period in particular. Um, well, if you're an enlisted man or you're a career soldier, certainly. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. The, the, um, it's the German army that, um, well, they were honourable. Part of their honour system mm-hmm. led them to follow Hitler. Yep. Because he was their Fuhrer, they had to do it. Yep. But also, part of their honesty. A bit like being a Secret Service agent for Donald Trump. That's right, yeah, you've got to do it because yeah. you've pledged to. Um, but now, I mean, but then, then, and kind of from 42 onwards, the army started realizing just how abhorrent Hitler was for Germany, and mm-hmm. they were the ones that led things like the Valkyrie plot, um, the, you know, the attempts to kill Hitler. Yeah. Um, you know, so. How did yeah. they not get him in that plot, though? Uh, well, there's a, he was um, in, in I the Valkyrie plot. Was he? Was that the one? Yeah, he was protecting the one the table. that. Um, what was the plot where he was in sort of a meeting room and a couple of guys came and dressed it, dressed the part, put a bomb in there. Everyone else got blown up but him. What was yeah, it? that was that was um, the attempt at Valkyrie. That was Unless you're plot. talking about the um, in the beer hall. Because there was, was a cus- no, not the beer hall. One. No, so no. that was, so that was the Valkyrie plot. Okay. That was. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stolfenberg? Schulfen- that, that's him, and he got summarily uh, executed for that. Yeah, thing, yeah, that's right. Well, he tried to do a runner, didn't he? Into the I believe so. Well, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is that the Valkyrie is the plot, so that when Hitler was the, was uh, not a plot, Valkyrie is the plan that when Hitler died, the army would be able to take over, mm-hmm. so that there wasn't a void of power. Sure. And so what they did was they tried to kill Hitler so as they could take over and what they actually did was it didn't matter whether or not they killed Hitler what mattered is whether or not they were able to take power sure and they almost did it 
There's actually a very good movie about it with Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's um, right. And it's and I mean, like, I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, but it's actually a very, very good movie. Do um, Do you think there'd be any if there tried to be a power struggle, a coup d'état, or something like that? Hitler was too powerful, just would have shut that down. No, not at all. Yeah, um, if so? there was any kind of the the problem with 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 power in Germany is that. Hitler during the Nazi reign is that Hitler was the leader so that's mm-hmm. one person and everyone kind of followed him and that was fine but everybody knew that the second he was out of the picture the SS and the Brown Party the Nazi Party would fight for power mm-hmm. and there would be a, there would pretty much have been a huge civil war unless there had been I mean they couldn't have a civil war because they didn't have any men left but you know they, they would they would fight over the remnants of the empire um yeah and there was always a power struggle between those two and part of Hitler's ability to hold on to power was playing off his top generals against each other sure you know Um, and and he did that perfectly with with, uh, Bormann and Himmler they they didn't like each other at all did they no well because Hitler engineered a hatred between them you know Um, yeah, he was I, pulling all the strings with, with his little mate Goebbels in the background. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Goebbels was just—I mean, Goebbels. My God, what a nut job! Can you imagine? A nasty little person? man, wasn't he? Well, can you imagine the sort of person who, at dinner in the bunker, right near the end of the war, writes a letter that says, "Well, actually, his wife wrote the letter that says, um, I don't think that it would be at all good to live in a world without National Socialism or Hitler.'" Um, and then walks into a room with their six children, poisons all six of their children, and then kills themselves. Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't live under Hitler. Because uh, you know, Hitler was going to be deposed <laughs> shortly. Imagine it. Imagine being that kind of nut job. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I've got a kid. There's just no way I would... I, I, dear God, I hope there's no way I'm... You've got to have a screw loose. At a place you? where I think to myself, it's better she doesn't live under this without Hitler. <laughs> I mean, you know... I know one of your specialist subjects, if you were on Mastermind, one of your specialist subjects would be uh, the technology, Nazi technology or German army technology. I, I guess equipment is probably a better, yeah. 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 Um, although, interestingly enough, I, there, was, there was quite a lot of, um, near, especially near the end of the war, but after the invasion of Russia, I suppose that's not really near, that's near the logistical end of the war, there was quite a lot of uh, stealing of the uh, Russian hand weapons, like yeah. the PPSH, um, you know, in particular the PPSH was very prized amongst German troops. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, their their um, their science, their realistic science, was very interesting. Um, you know, they were they were nowhere near to creating an atomic weapon, um, but they created the the ME two six two. But they did it with with really shitty instrumentation. Mm-hmm. You know, they they did the Stug forty four, um, which is a a beautiful weapon is that the right word not really a very effective weapon it's <laughs> um, up there with you saying you're a fan of uh, <laughs> it kind of is isn't it I found this beautiful yeah. weapon um, you know um, they had the um, they like, had of course the MG42 mm-hmm. um, you know they had they had really amazing equipment but then they were also a bit laughable I mean we've got this whole idea that the the German army was was well we think of it as being a mechanised army that is to say that they they had a lot of tanks and all the troops who travelled around so I don't know if you know there's, there's three kind of variations there's a, a mechanised army which means that they are uh, lots and lots of tanks 
um, and like armoured vehicles and stuff like that. There's a motorised army, which means that a lot of them get carried around in trucks and things like that. And then there's the kind of, you know, a foot, a, neither of the two, right? Yeah. In actual fact, the Germans were mostly neither of the two. It was a very, very small percentage mm-hmm. that were able to employ mechanised and motorised divisions and infantry. Most of them went around on foot and dragged their artillery with horses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Americans were a motorised and mechanised army. Yeah, you know, and, and and the Americans had amazing logistics and mulberry harbors. You know, mulberry so the whole, I mean, the whole thing from from really nineteen, well, I suppose arguably from nineteen eighteen onwards, um, in a lot of places, but really from nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty five, the whole thing was a technology race. You know, I mean, I came across a really interesting. Um, piece narrated by uh, Ronald Reagan of all people was um, right? in either late 44 or early 45 when they started uh, putting uh, B-29s out into the um, was that before or after the V-2 uh, or the V-1 and the V-2 B-29 would have been effective between the V-1 between and the V-2 the I believe okay. um, but the so they had some air superiority and and obviously missile superiority. Well, they had missile... Well, yeah, the V1s and the V2s weren't really ever that effective. No. Um, I mean... You but it scared get, the shit out of the Allies because of the range. It scared the shit out of the civilians. Okay. You know, you get... London Do you think a lot of that was just, just fed or... I think it was just or, good propaganda. Yeah. You know, I mean, the V1 and the V2 were... I mean, you'd, you'd walk around London and suddenly there'd be a V1. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, like, maybe 40 people would die. Yep. The bombing raids were far more effective earlier on, you know, any yep. bombing raids would, would be far more effective. Um, you know, yeah, I, I mean, the the technology propaganda is hilarious, you know, I mean, it so happens that carrots are good for your eyes. Yep. The reason we believe that is propaganda. Yeah. And that was propaganda to hide the fact that the Allies had radar. Yeah. So what they told the Germans were they were feeding all of their pilots carrots, carrots. that could see better at night time. Yeah, this seems believable, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, it's, it's, that's, I mean, that's the fascination with the Nazis, isn't it? Yep. Really, they're a comical people. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've but talked, they did so well. We've talked off the air about you, how comical, just every, the, the uniforms, because... When, when, when someone's been or a bunch of people have been so evil it's, it's easy to take the piss out of them it's, it's probably the best way to look at it isn't it because it's, it's black humour it's the only way but to do it but that's how you distance yourself from the, from the atrocities you know? that's right I mean you know it's the only way to do it and you think you know people think about, about the Jews and the Holocaust and the, Rome, and the Romanovs and you know the Romani people and all that um, and I mean don't get me wrong that's horrible but the interesting things for me are a lot of the the minor stories. Um, during the Ardennes offensive, uh, when the Allies pushed back and started capturing all the Germans, and mm-hmm. you know, and and had, and had won, had defeated the offensive, um, one bunch of Allies, uh, one bunch of American soldiers, had a German surrender them, and they thought he was just couldn't stop smiling at them. They thought he was just this insane dude who kept on grinning at them, till they realised that frostbite had taken away his eyelids and his lips. Okay. You know, I mean, and that was because he just got sent out by the Germans into this cold, horrible place to try and fight the Allies, you know? I mean, and yeah. it's like, I mean, and that's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. Everyone, so many people suffered such horrible things during the war. You either read that shit and cry, which I do occasionally, or you make jokes about it, you know? Absolutely. I mean, looking at, um, obviously, the... <laughs> 
looking to get some sort of determination either way, and I know with your knowledge of the mechanics of, of the German army and so forth, do you think, um, and do you place any, any credence of validity on, let's use something topical, the UFOs, UFOs. What do you think they were building? Do you think they were used? Do you think they were effective? Did they have some sort of anti-gravity technology we didn't know about? Or do you think they were just sort of tinkering with a few things? Well, we know for a fact that um, the Americans built a flying saucer. Sure. You know, there is um, footage of that, isn't there? And there is this yeah. footage of that. And Test it's footage and so you know? yeah. um, the At the time, you know, with this whole thing of the occult, there was also all that alternative science. And there's a really interesting thing about science um, that I read is that when you pick one thing, you fail to pick something else. So say, for example, um, you've got two competing engine types, an internal combustion engine and a hydrogen engine. You pick the internal combustion engine, then you stop development on the hydrogen engine. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that, yep. right? And at the time of, 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 in between the wars and, you know, building up to World War II, um, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of those choices being made. And yeah, I think the, the Nazis experimented with some of the alternative choices, you know? Um, right. Yeah, I mean... Do you think any of them succeeded? Um, no, because we would have seen them. Yeah. Um, I mean, the jet engine succeeded. But what if it was suppressed? You know, obviously after the war, Operation Paperclip, the, the Allies poached the best of the German scientists, brought them across, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Did they bring that technology with them if it had been created? Again, I think we would have heard about it. We heard exactly. about Operation Paperclip, you know? I mean, it's that... It's but wouldn't that, it be something that would be... You know, highly, highly, highly classified. Well, that's the thing. And not released is, is, at all. I mean, how many conspiracy theories can you have? I mean... It, but it could have been the genesis of, of the black projects you see today. That, it could have been, the US, yeah. You know? I mean, and I mean... I, I, Surely I, there was some sort of hangover from these these Operation Paperclip scientists. Um, well, that was the know, space race. Absolutely. The space race was because of the German scientists. Yeah. You know, Werner von Braun. Once the rocket goes up, who cares where it comes down? It's not my department, says Werner von Braun. Yes. <laughs> 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 I have to uh, credit Tom Lehrer for that one, but nevertheless. Um, you know, I, um, yeah, did they bring in, I suppose you're saying, esoteric technology? Right. I suppose it's arguable. If they had it, the Americans certainly would have been interested in it. Mm -hmm. um, I've what about, read what about, um, just, just throwing a spare in the works. What about uh, like invisibility, like a like a, a cloaking device for for a battleship or an airplane or something? Yeah, like I don't think that's something that we because we've all heard about the Philadelphia experiment, which was obviously yeah. on the Allied side, but. Um, do you think you know they were experimenting with that sort of thing as well? Well, the Philadelphia experiment is anti is degaussing um, a, a battleship so that it won't attract mines. Yeah. Right now, the Germans didn't have a surface fleet. Yeah. Um, so they don't need that kind of thing. Um, I mean, we're just now experimenting with invisibility cloaks. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I mean, an invisibility cloak makes it sound like Harry Potter. <laughs> it's not, you know, we're experimenting with technology that can conceal soldiers really well. Yeah. Um, was concealment important? Yes, it was, but I think that it was it was mostly limited to camouflage nets and, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm after? Um, like, you know, disguises as opposed to actual mythological technology, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the other thing is... As Sometimes well, the simplest technology worked best, though. I mean, you saw that with, when uh, the Allies would make sort of, 
you know, fake aircraft and, and that's right. You know, All cardboard planes and, and tanks and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean sometimes I subtle subterfuge works works better than. Yeah, I mean, the other right thing is, as well is the one of the reasons the Allies did so well is their their spy network was so much better. I, mm-hmm. I understand. I would have to go and check this, but I understand that not a single German spy was successful. Really? That they were all either caught or caught and turned, and mm-hmm. most of them were turned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that also means that um, any weird technology that the Germans were working on would have been fed back to the British. Yeah. You know, and, and to the Allied soldiers. The other thing is, well, I mean, you know... <coughs> the, they did win the they did win the spy race really didn't they? They yeah. won the everything intelligence. I race. love that story of that Operation Mincemeat where they dropped that uh, dead body from a plane. That's right, that's you know. Awesome. I mean, the whole the whole D Day. Well, not for the dead guy. But not for the dead. Well, he was already dead, so it didn't yeah, matter. Yeah, and he yeah. got to do an awesome thing with his death, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole the whole of D Day was the the whole thing was one on intelligence. Yeah. You know, um, intelligence and sleeping pills. I mean, that's the other thing is Hitler cracking you know, Enigma and. Yeah, and the American things, and yeah. I mean, Hitler was the other thing is Hitler was so enamored with his own um, story about how amazing he was mm-hmm. that by the time D-Day came around, he pretty much controlled the army, and no one could do anything without his authority. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's arguable. So he was a supreme commander, but you know, he wouldn't give delegation to his generals. But that's right. It's yeah. arguable that if they were able to have control of the tanks, the second that they saw the um, Allies landing, they may have possibly pushed them back into the water. I've heard, you what, do you, what, what legs do you give to um, that Adolf Hitler was secretly quite a good strategist and knew exactly what he was doing from the get-go and so made decisions for himself militarily and didn't consult his generals. Do you give any credit? The fact you're laughing hysterically, I'm going to go with no. No. None whatsoever. The guy never achieved a very good military rank, so he never had any training. Okay, he would have had to have been a natural military genius. There I, is, think that, I think that I think that story might have been concocted by Joseph Goebbels. Or, yeah, know? probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, remember that he fell in love with his power during the build-up to World War Two, mm-hmm. because he was so successful. He, he had the Anschluss um, with, with Czechoslovakia and Austria. Um, he managed to get the um, English to back down. Chamberlain famously saying, peace in our time, having spoken to Hitler. And waving his silly white bit of paper. Yeah. I've been to see uh, Jorah and it's all good. And he, yeah, he tells us and it's it, all okay. It, you wasn't, know. it wasn't all good. It wasn't all good. I mean, and then the... the, dis, the, the like. The fact, the fact of the matter is that without Guderian, we might not have had a blitz. We might, we might not have. <laughs> without Guderian, the Germans might not have had a blitzkrieg. Mm-hmm. And Guderian was was an extraordinarily talented tactician, mm-hmm. um, and a phenomenal officer. And his entire idea of of how to of how to run mobile warfare just left the Allies gasping for help. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Allies were still stuck in the trench warfare. The Maginot Line was 80 divisions of French troops manning the Maginot Line. And what do the Germans do? They walk around it. You know, I mean, like, I mean, okay, I mean, that seems like, it seems kind of laughable at this stage, but they, you know, the Allies, the, well, all of Europe had just gone through a devastating war. None of them wanted mm-hmm. to fight again, and Hitler preyed on that. 
And people felt, I mean, people genuinely felt bad about how how constrictive the Versailles Treaty was against the Germans. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you know, let them have a little bit of land, Mm -hmm. you know? And at the time, there was huge anti-Semitism. Let them have an air force again. Yeah, that's right. Proper. Well, that's I mean, that's that's beautiful. See, this is the other thing about Goering, which is wonderful. This whole sexy German thing. They didn't have an air force. What they had were those lovely young men and their flying machines. Sure. So they had all these all these young dashing German flights flight men, mm-hmm. flying races in these high performance planes mm-hmm. and then when the war broke out they just oh, slapped guns already, on them we've already trained a few of them already. that's right it yeah. so happens you yeah. know and then of course they had their practice run um in spain um yeah. with the condor legion yeah and before you knew it oh my gosh we've got talented we've got combat battle pilots, pilots, now. pilots yeah, yeah. And, and high-tech machines mm-hmm. i mean until the spitfire came out the Smith ruled the skies yeah. you know I mean the Hawker the Hurricane actually won the Battle of Britain to be fair yeah. but the Spitfire was was you know what sort of it's a more rare aircraft isn't it well it is it's, it's got was, a cooler name I think well it's technologically much better Absolutely. I mean you know um, much cooler sound too yeah that's right yeah, that's yeah the Merlins <laughs> um, yeah I mean honestly my favourite plane is probably the Corsair of all, the whole mm-hmm. war it's probably the Corsair mm-hmm. um Although the most effective plane is probably the, the B-25. Okay. You know, I mean, in terms of it did the most to win the war was yep. the... Or possibly, actually, the um, C-47. Yep. The cargo planes. Yeah. You know, I mean, we... we the, the other well, thing... Well, wars are won on logistics, aren't they? That's right. And that's how World War Two was won. I saw that, um, interesting, when I was recently at uh, Pont du Hoc and surrounding area. Um, I went to a village... Uh, Mur or something like that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, and we, as we pulled up into the car park, we looked down the harbour. We could see where, well, down the down the coast, we could see where Mulberry Harbour artificially there. And a guy was telling us how the ships came in, obviously into the harbour where things weren't as rough. And that was the start of their supply chain. That's right. Yeah, and they just yeah. came. Along operation. I mean, it, being able to replenish I mean, yourself is, is key, obviously, once you've made the landing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at look at the American tactics. American tactics are base of fire, mm-hmm. which means a group of soldiers just launch as much fucking ammunition at a target as humanly possible. They don't mm-hmm. care if they hit; they're just trying to suppress the enemy. Yeah. Um, you know, and and supplies and that whole thing of I mean, the the Americans had the M1 Garand. Mm-hmm. They had they had a semi-automatic weapon. Everyone else has got a bolt action. Ba ba ba, chikapa ba, chikapa. But you know, yeah. I, I just, it's just they just overwhelmed the Germans, and mm-hmm. everyone knew that was what was going to happen. Once America woke up, everyone knew. Um, Winston Churchill writes in his memoirs the night of um, the Pearl Harbor attack where he slept the best night's sleep he'd ever slept because he knew now America was in the war. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. I mean, America was already in the war. You know, they were already helping, but once Pearl Harbor happened they knew for a fact that the public would be just yep we'd love to go to war straight into it you know and there's there's a really interesting comment I mean we're switching away from and they didn't have faulty intelligence like they had with the Iraq war no that's right no it was it was pretty obvious days when wars are wars and men's are men that's right yeah yeah. well one of the guys in the in the TV show The Brothers talks about um, about Pearl Harbor and everyone going to sign up and so on and he talks about four people in his town a small town 
found themselves 4F unfit for combat duty, so mm-hmm. they killed themselves. Really? Yeah, that's how... That's that, some patriotism, yeah, isn't it? That's how incensed the Americans were. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yamamoto himself, who, who planned um, Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. was like, I planned this, but we better sure damn well capitalize on it because if we don't we're just waking a sleeping giant mm-hmm. and we're going to get mashed and they did you know and lo and behold <laughs> that's what happened you know even with the policy of germany first yeah you know i mean they, i mean america yes there's this whole thing that america won world war Two. Mm-hmm. logistically in terms of material without them it would have been a much harder slog and yet the British and the, the common... But also they were, you know, the Allies were wary by uh, three, two years in, weren't they? So That's right. I mean, all, all, I mean, the Allies held out for, for three years before the Americans even set foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but in their defence, from 1941, although they said Germany first, they were still running an offensive campaign in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine how much material you have to do to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, yeah, you know, yeah, insane. It's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah, so the Germans were, were lost from from the moment America joined the war. Unless they could find some way to stop them. There's a couple of interesting alternative history um, shows. There's Man in the High Castle, of course, but that uses magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's uh, a TV show called... Or a TV um, movie called Fatherland, um, mm-hmm. which uh, supposes that D-Day fails. Um, which, you know, it's possible it could have. And it's set in 1954, I believe. Um, the whole story is very, very good. Um, and are we all drinking steins? And, and well, Hitler's about to celebrate his birthday, and, and the Beatles are going to play for him in oh, Greater nice. Berlin. You know, similar um, haircuts. That's right. Yeah. But at the same, but at the same time, you know, they've made peace with the Allies, but they're still fighting an ongoing war with Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, I and mean, Russia was. Russia, they thought they'd be able to kick the door and it would fall over in six weeks flat. Yeah, unfortunately, um, that didn't happen. That didn't quite happen. It was happen, a bit though. too cold for them. Well, that too, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's right. I mean, all their weapons froze, you know, um, their tank tracks were too Well, they thought they were just what's in, didn't they? That's right. And I mean, they hadn't clearly looked at history because yeah. many people have tried and many people have failed. Um, and interestingly enough. You've got to be resolute in a country where it's sort of minus 20 degrees. That's right. And they talk about Russia, about winter having run, won the Russian war. Mm. Um, and whether you believe that or not, it so happened that um, the winter that Barbarossa went into was one of the Nazis had rolling at the time, and, and, and you just needed to <laughs> I'm just going to have a quick yes or no to determine the Occam's razor. All right, shoot. Nazi science and the occult. Black magic, any validity? No. Nah. None at all? None at all. Nonsense? Yep. Utter nonsense? They may have believed it. But it didn't yeah. have any effect. <laughs> Psychokinesis. Yeah, I reckon they probably experimented with that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, 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 they were crazy enough to give it a shot. Himmler certainly was. Did they do much research uh, into the brain? Obviously, we hear all these modern sort of stats about you use you know, 8% or 10%. It changes every year. Yeah, yeah that's, well, that's because we're using more. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting cleverer. Or less. Or less, yeah, probably. Um, do you, uh, do you think there's much experimentation, not necessarily human experimentation, but research into the brain at all? No, I believe that, um, I mean, the, the biggest kind of experimentation like that 
were with the Germans were Mengele in his program. Yeah. And they were Joseph marching. Mengele. He was a he was a crazy angel of death. I was listening to Slayer in the car on the way over actually. Yeah. Um, the um I mean you know they were experimenting with things like oh our our pilots are going down over the channel. Mm-hmm. You know it's it's cold. They're gonna they're gonna drown of hypothermia in seven minutes. Let's chuck these people out in the middle of the snow and see how long they survive. Mm-hmm. You know, so they were doing much more mundane experiments. Um, Mengele did do some stuff with if I stab this twin a hundred times in the heart, does the other twin get sad? Yeah. Um, which seems like I don't know why they thought he was amazing. You know, no. It wouldn't have worked with Siamese twins, would it? No, no, they did normal twins as well. Like, they just grabbed normal twins and they'd be like... No, oh, what I mean is they'd share a heart, probably. Oh, right, oh, okay, oh, my yeah. bad, yeah. Your bad. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, so, I mean, but no, I don't I don't think they were experimenting with, with brain power, per se. Yeah. Um, so what about this remote stuff. viewing we were talking about earlier? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think... Again, it's perception, though. Is it, there's no doubt that some people are more... I mean, the old saying, woman, woman's intuition, because women are more in touch emotionally generally yeah than men are so i think there could be some sort of connection between the two you know what we call extrasensory perception or esp could could just be a case of some people are more attuned to their environment sort of in the same frequency if you know what i mean and they they can foresee things well, there's also, I mean, can. yeah, I mean, there's also Higher a huge perception. rise of theosophy and things like that, and of course, mm-hmm. Rudolf Steiner. Sure. You know, I mean, the, I mean, and he, his, I've read, I've read a few Steiner books, and his ideas along those lines certainly had, um, certainly weren't treated as being insane at the time, and aren't even now. I mean, there are Rudolf Steiner schools for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'd have to say, yeah, I, w- I would imagine that it'd at least be a fringe element, a fringe element of the Nazis. God, that's a super fringe element that would have that would looking at it. Yep, I'd go yes. Okay. Yep. Excellent. All right, I think we'll wrap it up. It's uh, been a good episode five, very thorough today. I've learned a lot of things, which is obviously the goal of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having a, coming along. Uh, now you're off to Portugal, aren't you? In the I next am. couple of days. Sunny Portugal. Just a holiday or up well, to, up I'm going to go else? on. My, my other interest is, of course, medieval combat. Sure. Um, so I'm going to take a tour of uh, the Templar castles in Portugal, mm-hmm. um, which will be exciting. I might buy myself a new sword too, actually. A souvenir spear. A souvenir, a souvenir. Well, a souvenir sword. I think I'm much better with a sword than I am with a spear. Yeah. Um, yeah.